Now, God Week is a tangible event. It's not touchable, but it's tangible. It's like a handrail on a wobbly staircase. It gives you comfort at that particular moment. And so that is what we feel as though is the most important thing that we do every day is bring people hope. Hello, and welcome to the Connectedness Podcast. Just as you might have guessed, I talk about connection and connectedness on this podcast, our connection with everything in the world around us. Whether you see it or not, we're all connected, and it doesn't matter if it's our dog, our cat, our God, our body. And I'll also talk about some more abstract connections like our career or our land, our community, our emotions, your body. Life is all about connection, so the sooner we recognize that, the sooner we can have an easier, more meaningful life. I will talk about these connections through different lenses, things like synchronicities and coincidences, or just everyday little bits of magic and miracles that we we usually dismiss. It's really important that we pay attention to all of this so we can live an easier, more meaningful life. So welcome to the show. I'm your host, Karen Cleveland. Welcome back, everyone. I am very excited today to introduce you to my guest. I I first became aware of his works, well, actually, when I was a child, but I didn't realize it then, recently, because I'm a Hallmark movie watcher, so we'll get into that in a moment. So my guest today, Squire Rushnell, and along with his wife, Louise Duarte, they are movie producers and authors of the best-selling series, the Godwink series, and there's also movies, as I said, on Hallmark about Godwinks, but he's done so much more. But that's what he's here to talk about today. That's what I want to ask about today. Welcome to the show, Squire. Thank you so much, Karen. It's delight to be here. Yeah, thank you. So wonderful to have you. So I just want to start with, so as I said, I watch Hallmark movies, and when I saw my first Godwink movie, I was just, yes, I was like, this is it. This is this is life, right? These are based on real stories. And I just found them so heartwarming. So why don't you start with telling us what is a Godwink and how did you get into this Godwink business? Because you are, after all, the Godwink guy. Yes. So what is a Godwink? A Godwink is one of those little experiences that everybody has. We may not know what to call it, but it coincidence doesn't seem right. And so uh, that actually began the quest. The question, what do you call a coincidence that isn't a coincidence? And we wrestled with that for a good number of months, Louise and I, when I was about to come out with the first Win God Winks book. And we wrestled and we started thinking about what it might mean. And we kind of felt as though it was faith-related. And one day after prayer, we pray together every single morning. Five minutes a day is how we start. We promise ourselves we'll do at least five minutes. Usually it goes on for a little bit more than that. But we prayed about it. And shortly thereafter, that little word, God, we floated into my mind. And I thought, hey, that's fun. It's kind of like God send, God speed, God weak. Doesn't sound very threatening. Doesn't sound very churchy or religious. And Maybe that's what I'm looking for. What do you call a coincidence that is a coincidence? 
Then if you look up the word coincidence in the dictionary, it will tell you that it is the concurrence of two remarkable events without apparent cause. Uh Now that fits the scientists very well when they have something that they can't deal with and they don't know what it is. And it's remarkable. So that isn't a God wink, however. A God wink certainly is the concurrence of two remarkable events with a cause, and that cause is divine. And so it never dawned on us way back 20 years ago when we came out with that first book. It came out just before 9-11, When God Winks. And now we're working on book number 13. But it never dawned on us that there was a vacancy in the language. But the readers were our guide at all times. They were our supporters at all times. They were adding dimensions to the Godwink thesis, such as they would say, well, I just had a Godwink. Well, they could have said it in a longer fashion. I just said a prayer and my prayer was answered, but they said, I just had a Godwink. Realize that there's no word in the English language for answered prayer. And so they put that word in there as an answered prayer. So the two meanings that show up in dictionaries now are those little coincidences that aren't coincidence, but come from divine origin, or it's another word for answered prayer. Nice. I love that, answered prayer. So let me ask you, you two were talking about it. How do you define this? What do we call this? Did you have events in your own lives that made you talk about, you know, this coincidence or whatever, this unnamed thing. Did you have your own events leading up to that? Yes. Well, that's actually the origin of all this. There was a time in my life, in my early broadcast career, when I got fascinated with American history. I was just reading every book I could find that was about the people who were in American history. That's what I was fascinated with, not the dates and the facts and the events as much as I was about the people. And there was an author by the name of Thomas Fleming. He's graduated to heaven now, but he became a dear friend. And I started reading everything. I was reading about Jefferson and his passion at the age of 33 to write the Declaration of Independence. And by the way, I had become a vice president of ABC at the age of 34. And a minute and a half, I thought that was really hot stuff. But I was reading about Jefferson, who had written the Declaration of Independence one year earlier at 33. And I thought, that's such a big deal that I'm a vice president of ABC. He wrote the Declaration of Independence. But anyway, I was fascinated with him, with John Adams, with Benjamin Franklin, all of those personalities who gathered in Philadelphia for the Declaration of Independence, and that it took such passion to get it done. It took such prayer to get it done, such faith of each of them to get it done. But it came down that while Benjamin Franklin was the guide through the political process, It was the writer, Thomas Jefferson, and the salesman, John Adams, who really got the job done. Now, what was fascinating and what I read in this book was that Thomas Jefferson and John Adams died 
on the same day. And it wasn't just any old day. They both died on the 4th of July. Interesting. 1826, the exact 50th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. That coincidence seemed way out of the bounds of what are the odds for me. And so I then got hooked into this idea, is there more to coincidence than coincidence? And one of the other pivotal moments was when I was uh, maybe 15 years later, 10 years later, I was deciding that maybe I would like to become a speaker. And I thought, if if you're going to become a speaker, maybe I need to write a book. So I well, what the heck am I going to write a book about? You know, uh, Schoolhouse Rock. Uh, well, it seems like a thing in a book. Uh, running Good Morning America. We became number one before anybody else. No, that's just an event along the way. And I really didn't know what my book should be about. And so I started actually going out and speaking anywhere they would invite me to speak, and I would have different topics. So this little church, On Quaker Hill, north of New York, uh, near Pauling, New York, it was this beautiful little country church with a tall steeple, big black shutters on the church, and it looked off on hilltops that looked like a Grandma Moses painting. And so I was there at that little church speaking, and my topic was coincidence. Is it evidence of God's grand plan? That was the question. My sermon began with answering that question by saying, I don't know. (laughs) I'm the guy who brought you Schoolhouse Rock. I'm the guy who runs Good Morning America. I have no idea. But I want to share some stories with you that some people call coincidence that I'm wondering, is it art? Is it evidence of God's grand plan? And so I told that Jefferson and Adam's story there. I also told some stories about people there in that little church and other things. And that little gathering of people, what, maybe 150 fit into that little church? They never let go of that because I was attending that church and every week they'd come up and they'd kind of pull at my sleeve and they'd say, I got one for you. I got one for you. And so they were encouragers for me to pursue that as my quest to write the book. And so I went out to do a book on coincidence. I got a bunch of stories that I Googled and or whatever I, I got off the internet or wherever, and I didn't use any of them because they were all coincidence stories. I then searched for these other stories that I realized were more about the coincidence that wasn't a coincidence. So that really began that whole journey. And so it was different events. It was certainly that Adams and Jefferson story. It certainly was that little talk at Quaker Hill Church. It was my wife and I communicating, praying about what do you call it. And it was all of that that was planting the seeds for what has become the Godwink thesis. Wow. The Godwink thesis. I love that. Okay. So you're proposing that it's an answered prayer. So if we're praying for something and things line up, maybe you can tell me and the listeners how we can get more Godwinks in our life. I mean, 
because it sounds like a wonderful outcome. Uh, Godwink does. So how can we make it happen or allow it to happen? Well, let's think about what a conversation is. If we become friends, Karen, we will become kind of surface friends. But if we were to talk once a week, like we talk to a sister and a brother, or like we talk to a parent, maybe every other day or maybe every day, the more we converse with those that we want to have a relationship with, our family, our friends, the people who are important to us in life, our boss, the more we communicate with them, the better the relationship. I think we'd all agree with that. Because when we stop talking, when, when husbands and wives go out to dinner and you can kind of see them in the restaurant sometimes, they sit there and they eat and they don't say a word to each other, you can tell right there that that's not the way marriage is supposed to work. No communication. Right. And so put that into the context of your relationship with God. The more you chat with God, the better the relationship, the more he chats with you. And so one of the Godwink principles is when I pray, I'm talking to God. Mm -hmm. When he talks to me, it's a Godwink. I see. Because when he talks to me, it isn't through a human voice. He is talking to me through supernatural means, something that would make you say, wow, what are the odds of that? And when you start realizing, when you add up all of the Godwinks that you've had, those that make you say, wow, you express enthusiasm. That's another principle. Godwinks have a tendency to spark enthusiasm and lift the God within you out, you know? And so it brings you not only closer to God, but the more you talk to God, the more he talks to you. So how do you get more Godwinks? Talk to God more. And I'll just do a detour on that in that my wife and I, and I think I said this in the beginning, that we pray every day. We have partnered prayer every day. And that, when we started praying together, was a revelation to me because I had failed twice at marriage before. And my mother's words ring in my mind. She's still in heaven, but she's still talking to me. She said, honey, just don't screw up this one. And so, yes, mother, I won't do that. And so, Praying together with my wife was such a new dimension. And I I had heard and I knew that husbands and wives prayed, but usually they prayed alone. And everyone I knew did because nobody had ever suggested to me that husbands and wives should pray together. No church ever mentioned that to me. We always say pray. We say, no, let's say grace. You know, let's all pray. Let's pray together in church. The women's Bible over here. The promise keeper is for men over here, women of faith over here, you know, and there was not a moment that I had ever had the idea that we should pray together consistently every single day. And that was the revelation that led to two books on that subject. One was Couples Who Prayed the Most Intimate Act Between a Man and a Woman, and the 40-Day Prayer Challenge, which is now being revised and retitled as the Pray Stay Challenge, which is derivative of our 501c3, Pray Together, Stay Together, 501c3. And when you pray together, and you will not only stay together, but you'll also get a lot of God wings. 
And that is how all of that works in harmony in our lives. And I think it can work that way for everybody's life. Yeah, I think that's a great little aside. I just want to ask, separate from the Godwinks for a moment, if my husband and I started praying together, does that typically look like an out loud kind of prayer together? Do we sit together and do our quiet prayers together? Just briefly, what does that look like? Well, I'll tell you the way I do it. And we tell everybody to do what is comfortable for you, but to find that rhythm in your life so it's a non-negotiable event in your life. It's not something that you negotiate. It's something that you do every single day. You brush your teeth every day, not because you want to. It is the non-negotiable habit. You know that it's good for you and everybody else who's around you, okay? And so you brush your teeth every day. And so we pray together and we also say, five minutes is all you need to do. Yeah. About the same amount of time it takes you to drink a cup of coffee. Is that about enough time that you could give to God together? And if on the way to an airport, you can't pray together, pray in the back seat of a cab. If you're away from each other, you pray on the phone or you text to each other, but you just pray together every single day. And that is what we say we do. And where is that comfort zone for you? If you've got kids in the family, then that's something that we have to deal with now at this point in our lives. So we pray together every day at 7 a.m. I get up at 4.30. I start writing at 4.30. But by 6.30, I am making the coffee and toasting the bagel so I can bring it upstairs to my wife in a tray and that we can have our coffee and a bagel and we pray together. That is our morning ritual. And if we go, if we're on the road at Motel 6, I go find a place where I can find uh, some toast, coffee, and bring it to her at 7 a.m. And we pray together. That's our routine. And so I just say, find a routine to establish. And yes, it is praying out loud. I think that's the best thing. But we did try this with a group of people to pray out loud with your eyes open, looking at each other. We did it on camera. And of course, we said to them, I know you've never done this before, but don't pay attention to the lady with the stopwatch and the people running the camera. We just want you to look into each other's eyes and pray together. And it was like, and they, none of them were together, but each one of them said it was an act of intimacy that they had never experienced before. And that when they started to pray, they, were, they had trepidations, but God took over, the Holy Spirit took over. And whatever they said was exactly what God wanted to communicate to each person. Wow. That sounds powerful and moving. Interesting. All right. Well, thank you for that. So back to the Godwinks. So how do you suppose a Godwink works together with divine alignment? If we're aligned, if we're where we're supposed to be, or whatever that means to you. Yes. Okay. Divine alignment is one of the offshoots of the word God wing. And that was when I started to realize that it was another dimension that when you start mapping your God wings, if you, in other words, if you lay them out on a piece of paper and then you draw lines between them and events and you just follow the threads. And so what happens is, is that you realize, I guess the washer is on up, up, up I don't know whether you hit the chandelier shaking. 
But the one of the things that happens to every single person, and you can go back and you can trace your life, that there were certain events that have occurred to you where you happen to be at the exact right place at the right time. And that's another one of the principles that we have. When the right place is divinely aligned with the right time, expect to God me. Yeah. And that's when that happens. So you can go back and you can say, well, let's see. Let me think about events in my life uh, about that guy I married. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, we met at that situation. And you know, if I'd gotten there two minutes early or two minutes later, our paths would not have crossed. And Or it may have been that time that that person brought you to the Lord, was just said to you, you need Jesus in your life or whatever, you know? I know everybody has got that moment. Terry Mewson on the 700 Club said it was a guy at a bar who brought her to the Lord, you know? It's like, oh, okay. We've all had those moments where we were at the right place at the right time. And as we go back and we look at that, we can say, that was a God win. And and isn't it interesting that we came together, maybe we were on a route that we weren't supposed to take, maybe we didn't want to go to this again, whatever, we've all got those experiences, but we just needed to be in motion. Yeah. God made sure that our paths crossed. Yes. There's a story we wrote about with Pauletta Washington about how she and Denzel met and that she was in a Broadway show. She was doing very, very well. And Denzel, who was had been to Hollywood and he was doing movies, and then things were kind of going off the track or they weren't going anywhere. He ran out of money. He came back home to live with his mother. And so there he was living at home. And so Denzel was kind of going out and trying to, you know, do some networking within the film industry and in New York and so forth. And he ran into this lovely, beautiful woman, Pauletta. And so he, they chatted and then they, they left and whatever happened, you know, it was maybe whatever the party was. And he never got her name. He never knew how to connect with her. And he thought about her for several days and he was kicking himself for not finding out who she was. He talked to people and nobody could tell him. And then he got an invitation. It was like a last-minute invitation that there was an off-Broadway show. There was uh, tickets available for, uh, free tickets. And so he went. And so he got there a little late. The, The curtain had already gone up. He got his seat. And it was at the intermission when the lights went on. He looked to his right. And who was sitting next to him? But Pauletta. That is how they met in a dark theater. God arranged the right place, the right time, and the right seats. Yeah. The right seats. And so we all have these stories. And there's another story of a, just a wonderful situation of uh, Stacia. Stacia was having a faith issue in her life. She was young. She was in her 20s. People were saying, yeah, I don't believe in God and so forth. She was working in showbiz. People were taking advantage of her. She was saying, if there's a God, why isn't he looking out for me? Why isn't he protecting me? And then she had one of those terrible events in her life. She got a call in the middle of the night that her father had died of a heart attack. 
And she rushed to the airport after she packed the bag, bought a ticket, got on the plane, took her seat next to the window, and she opened up the morning paper, and there was her father's picture. Emmett Cully, world's most famous clown, dead at 80. And she thought, oh my gosh. You know, and she had grabbed one of the newspapers that was legendary in her family's life. An old yellow newspaper, which was packing her bag, she stuck it into her carry-on bag, and she pulled it out, and it was a picture that was different than the one that was on the front page of that, that morning. The one on the morning paper was Emmett Kelly, the most famous clown. If you're remembering, he was the sad-faced clown in the Ringling Brothers Circus for 20 years. Always had a sad face. Never, ever had a picture taken by anybody unless he was wearing his sad face. Except for one time, he got caught. He was being interviewed by a reporter, photographer, and the phone rang. And he answered, Emmett, it's the doctor. Congratulations. You're the father of a new baby girl. The photographer took that picture and then went around the globe the next day. So that old newspaper was the one that for some reason she put into her bag and she opened it up and she saw that picture of the sad faced clown smiling, her dad, which was legendary in the family. She knew that picture. She'd seen it a hundred times, but she saw something now that she had never seen before, an insight, what he was smiling about. He was smiling about her. She began to cry right there on the plane. There was a man seated next to her, and he leaned over and he said, Miss, are you okay? And she said, yes. Pointing to the picture, my father died last. The man said, you won't believe this. I'm the photographer who took that picture. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's what happened when God winks at you. That's what happens when you are divinely aligned by mysterious forces. Be in that seat. And that man was in that seat. And she had that paper at that moment. All of those factors, the paths crossed when the right place is divinely aligned with the right time. Expect a God way. Yeah, that's incredible. What an incredible story. So these stories, they bring us hope, don't they? They make us realize that maybe things can be okay. Is that, why do you bring them to the world, I guess? Because they are signs of hope. Yeah. I always say I had a sign from God. Give me a sign, God. Give me a sign. You know, I'd like to have a sign. Something tangible is what people are saying. And a God week is a tangible event. It's not touchable, but it's tangible. It's like a handrail on a wobbly staircase. It gives you comfort at that particular moment. And so that is what we feel as though is the most important thing that we do every day is bring people hope with our books, with our Facebook posts, with our Hallmark movies, with our Netflix movie about the dog wink book. Yes, rescued by Ruby. All of those are all to do one thing, bring people hope. That's fantastic. And that's, I fully believe in that. That's what the world needs for sure. I'm glad you brought up the dog winks because that's a clever take on the God winks. And also 
so full of stories, you know, about our beloved animals and how they can help bring some of this to us as well. Do you have more dog winks in mind with your Godwink books? Yes. Actually, there are three more stories in this book that we have already outlined as movies, which we think are just as compelling as Rescued by Ruby. And that, by the way, premiered as the number one movie in the world for families with kids. Number two, all over with all families. And after one year, we have exceeded 100 million people watching Rescued by Ruby. So that story is actually the first story in this book, Dog Wings. And there are three more stories in there. So when you read the book again, pick out your favorite three and you'll probably see which ones are on the runway for more movies. Now, you know, Hollywood is in a disruptive stage at this point. Yeah. And they don't, in many ways, they don't know where they are. They are lowest. They are in the dark. Movies are very, very dark. Yes. And when you look at all of the movies on almost every channel, they're dark. They seem to think that that's what people want. Yeah. The other hand, when one little movie that is a low-budget movie for Netflix comes along and captures 100 million people. And by the way, that wasn't what surprised people at Netflix. What surprised people at Netflix was that those 100 million people watched the movie all the way to the end. Oh, is that right? Measure all of that, and people watch it all the way to the end, which is a statement in and of itself. That's true. It's an amazing story. Yes. Once the writer's strike is over, we are teed up to go into production on our fifth Hallmark movie. And it's not a Christmas movie this time, so this will be the first one that isn't called A Godwink Christmas, but it will be called Godwink something. I think it'll be called Godwink Romance, but that's just our idea. Uh, I'm so excited. And that's the reason I watch Hallmark and stories like Rescued by Ruby is because I don't like those dark movies. Yeah. I don't know why I want to be brought down. So when the world is dark, it's the light. Yeah, we need the light. So I'm thrilled to hear you talk about this all today. Do you have any last words of like advice or how are how the listeners or how people can they need to pray more and anything in addition to that to be in the conversation with God? Yeah, well, I think praying more, talking to God more, you know, will definitely bring more God wings. But also, we've always advocated journaling your God wings. And that sounds very professional and work, but you can put a piece of paper on the refrigerator and just write down the God wings as you have them. Just write them down. The little ones, the little itty bitty ones. Yeah. You know, doesn't have to be the big ones like Stacia had, but just write them down and you will see in a month's time how many times God has been communicating to you that if you hadn't written them down, you probably wouldn't have noticed it or you probably would have forgotten it. You would have said at the time, wow, that's, that's a God way. But then, they're very elusive. So if you don't write them down, then you can't remember them. When you start that habit of writing them down, then 
you really have a more concrete connection to the tangibility of what a God wink is between you and God. Yeah, absolutely. And being grateful, gratitude for those God winks. Fantastic. You mentioned your Facebook page. How do we find that and how else do we find you and all your good works on the internet? Okay. So Facebook is our largest platform. So facebook.com slash Godwings. And I think there are about 375,000, no, 375 when you put us together with the Godwinker site, which is a private group where uh, my wife Louise manages that. That's about 20,000. So there's a 355 or 360,000 in the Facebook Godwinks page. And then the Godwinkers, which has only been about two years or so since she's been doing that, is up to 20,000. So, and that's more focused on prayer. Godwinks is more focused on storytelling. Nice. So fantastic. Well, I look forward to following you. I don't know why I haven't followed it on Facebook before, but definitely joining your page. So let me mention just one other thing. Sure. Godwinks.com. You can sign up for the wink letter. I should mention that because the wink letter is the best of the posts that we make during the week. We will mail them to you, email them, or you can see the wink letter there. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here and sharing this message of hope to the world and to my listeners. I really appreciate it. All right. So nice to meet you, Karen. All right. And for the listeners, we will connect again soon. Thank you. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. That's R-E-V-K-A-R-E-N Podcast.com. There you're going to find the tools for finding more meaning and happiness in your own life. Plus, if you have a story that you want to share with me, either on or off the air, be sure to look for that form. Make sure you follow me so you get notified when new episodes drop. And also, I'd love to connect with you in my Facebook group, Connectedness with Rev Karen. So head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. I hope to see you there.